Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Have you ever noticed how the very same thing can cause great joy for some, but great sadness for others? A few weeks ago, there was the World Cup in Qatar. And in the final, which unfortunately happened our time, Sunday, 9 a.m., so I missed it because I was here, and so were many of you, Argentina beat France in a penalty shootout, penalty kick shootout. And that set off great joy in Argentina. Not just the players, not just the fans who attended the game, but the entire country. Great joy. And also, that very same game, with those very same events, caused great sadness in France. Not just the players who were disappointed, not just the fans from France who attended the game, but the whole country was sad. Very same thing. Joy for some, sadness for others. Another example of this would be when a teacher posts the list on the wall. Who made the play? Who made the team? Who made the cut? causes great joy for some who made it and great sadness for those who did not, who now go home to lick their wounds. If a company has layoffs and it's posted who still has a job, it causes great relief for some, but great uncertainty for others. Very same announcement. Totally different reactions. And today, on the pages of the Bible, we have one of those examples of that happening. The announcement, a Savior has been born for you. Good news of great joy available for all. Did cause great joy for some, but also caused great disturbance for others. Even though that's not God's intention when he says good news of great joy for all, he wants all to be on the side of joy. It still will not happen that way because of sinful rebellion in the hearts of mankind. Let's get into the scripture verses and I think you'll see what I mean. How the very same thing caused such joy as well as such disturbance. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Let's stop there and and just think about that much. Magi from the east were not there in the stable in Bethlehem on Christmas night, in spite of many nativity scenes, including the ones we have at our church. The kings were not there. In fact, we're not even told they were kings. We're just told they were magi. And there might have been many more than three. There might have only been two. 
They give Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so I think the tradition is that there were three, but we don't even know that. What we do know is that they came from a long ways away, and they certainly had no idea what kind of ruler King Herod was, because anybody in their right mind would not have gone to Jerusalem and popped the question, hey, we heard about a new king. Do you know where he is? Not far from here? Because King Herod was so paranoid about protecting his throne, he did some unspeakable things during his reign. He murdered his wife because he suspected her wanting to try to assassinate him and take his throne, and he murdered her only to cry out for her for years and years to come. He lured his own son, whom he was paranoid about, into a trap only to arrest him and then kill him to make sure he wouldn't take his throne. And as King Herod approached his own death, he lined up dozens of his nobles, his leading royal officials, and wanted them murdered so that the day of his death would be a day of of mourning, sorry. It'd be a day of mourning in the kingdom and not a day of rejoicing. So King Herod was the very last person on earth anybody would say, hey, I heard about this king in town. Could you tell me more? But that's what the Magi did because they came from such a long ways away. They had no idea what they were getting into. How did Herod react? This message that a king was born, would he be on the side of joy or otherwise? I think you know the answer. And verse 3 and following tells us all about it. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the chief priests got it right. They knew that the prophet Micah had forecasted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Why wasn't there a watch party in Bethlehem? That's a good question. Why weren't they always on guard waiting with vivid looks in their eyes for the Messiah to come because they knew that's where he was coming. But no, nobody was there when Jesus was born. And King Herod wasn't satisfied with their answer. He wanted to learn more. He called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Herod was really into these details. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful, detailed search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. You and I both know very well, Herod wanted all these details, pinpointing the exact time, location, and so on of the baby king, not so that he could worship him but so that he could kill him. 
Isn't that something how evil man's heart can be that they even drag God's name into it to try to get their way like King Herod did here. Good news of great joy, a king born for all brought Herod great consternation. And when King Herod was disturbed, all the people around him in the palace were disturbed. King Herod is paranoid and unstable. Everyone else around is also paranoid and unstable. Except, except for the Magi from the east. Think about how this announcement, a king is born in Bethlehem, brought them the opposite reaction. After these magi had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Savior King had been born, and the same message that fueled paranoia in the palace fueled great joy beyond compare in the hearts of the wise men. They knew they were sinners and God had communicated to them in a special way through this unique star that a Savior had been born not just for other people, but also for them. They were included in God's promise. And so just think of what they did. Instead of staring at endless miles of desert and going, that's a long haul. It wasn't too hard for them to go all those miles to see the king. Instead of seeing the baby Jesus when they got there, not in the palace, not with glitz and glamour anywhere around, but born to some of the most poor people you could find, they did not say, this is a ruse. We came all this way for nothing. He's a phony. No. They bowed down and they worshipped Him with all their hearts. It wasn't too hard. And even though all the rest of the world couldn't care less about the baby born in Bethlehem, except to save their own skin by killing Him, the wise men set that aside. And it's like they said nothing at all or did nothing at all, opposite of what they thought was best. They were undeterred, undistracted, and with a laser-like focus of heart and mind. They worshipped Jesus and wouldn't let anything get in the way. You see, faith doesn't cling to what it sees and hears out in the world. Faith sees and clings to what it hears in the Word. And these magi had heard the Word and seen the star in this special form of communication God gave. And they would not be deterred. They would not be derailed. So as you think about the Magi and their undistracted heart, good news of great joy for them, that really wasn't hard to show or come up with. 
Just like it wasn't hard at all for the whole country of Argentina to rejoice at the World Cup victory. It wasn't hard at all for these wise men to travel all that way, open their purse, give generous amounts of gold fit for a king, as well as frankincense and myrrh, and then continue to live with exceedingly great joy going forward. It wasn't hard because they were focused on the Word and nothing else. So, look in the mirror and I'll look there with you. Which side of that do we fall on? The paranoia, the chaos of the world? Or the undistracted, all-in heart that isn't even that hard of the Magi? And the answer most likely is some of both. But too often we slip into the other side we'd rather not be on. When it comes to loving someone for the long haul, someone who is difficult to love, it's easy to say, that's too hard. That's too far. I don't want to. I'm too tired. And we don't have that tough conversation that has love at the center. We let things slip by and hold grudges because it's their fault, which it is, but that's not an excuse to hold a grudge. We don't have exceedingly great joy at the opportunity to show someone love that maybe absolutely nobody else is loving at the time. What about gifts of gold? Easy to give, generous gifts. More where that came up from if God needs it. I think too often our offerings to the Lord are an afterthought because we're worried about things out there in the world instead of worried about or thankful for what God says in His Word. And then, when it comes time to cultivating a close relationship with Jesus, it's easy to say, eh, good enough, and go halfway, be half-hearted, rather than be all in as the wise men were and continue for years and years to come to say this king is someone I want to have a close relationship with not just for a few days, but for all eternity. It's never going to stop. I want to keep growing. This is a lifelong learning opportunity to keep growing closer to Jesus. And if you think a pastor has it figured out and doesn't need to do that, you have another thing coming. Because I, as well as you, as well as anyone, if they're breathing, the lifelong opportunity to keep growing in Christ and learning the Word, dialing into the Scriptures so that you pay attention to that instead of what else is going on in the world, that is a golden opportunity to always have at the forefront of your heart and your mind, as the Magi did in this particular time of life that we're, we're talking about in Matthew chapter 2. As we analyze our own track record of hearing good news of great joy for all and falling to the side of, eh, too often, it makes us marvel all the more, doesn't it? That Jesus was never half-hearted towards us. Jesus never looked at you and said, wow, that's a lot of love required. I don't want to. It's too hard. I don't want to love him for the long haul. I don't want to love her 
to that degree. No, it wasn't too hard for him. And he never was derailed in his love for us. Isn't it something that Jesus gave us his everything? Even his body and blood for forgiveness, as well as the smaller but important ability to work and make a living and earn money and then have the opportunity to give some to him out of love. Isn't that something that Jesus gives us all of that and more? Too many blessings to count. And when it comes time to focusing on the Word, never mind what the world says, or focusing on the world, never mind what God's Word says, Jesus, of course, was always undistracted for us. And He gives you that same heart, that same love, that same focus, that same desire, that same contentment that you're not missing out if you don't scramble after everything like those folks are. But instead, you've got something better than anyone could guess. And that your life is not a race to get as much as possible, more than him, more than them. But instead, is a slow marinated walk in the Word with contentment that can't even hardly be described. Then going into the world to help others who today are scrambling and paranoid have that same contentment that can only be found in Christ. What a gift that Jesus loved us for the long haul so that we then have the ability, the energy, the desire to love others for the long haul. And when we are focused on His Word, it's not even hard, like it wasn't hard for the Argentinians to celebrate the World Cup. What an incredible thing that Jesus has given us so much gold to use for His glory. And it's not even hard to do that, just like it wasn't hard for the Argentinians to celebrate the World Cup. What an incredible gift Jesus places before us that we have the Word in plentiful supply. And we have other Christians around us here in the room to encourage us. And we have a place to go and hear the truth and keep drilling deeper and deeper and deeper into the boundless love of God. What a blessing we have from Jesus to be able to do that. That we can keep struggling in this life with His energy. And we can keep focusing on His finished work with our hearts set on heaven. You can do that. You can live a life that looks a whole lot more like the Magi and not at all like Herod and those nobles. Because that is the power within you in Christ when you listen to the Word and go from there. Good news of great joy for all. Good news of great joy for you. That's the message of today, tomorrow, and eternity. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.